Hey everyone, this is episode four of the Activate Podcast with Mark Marrow. My name is Eric English, and first off, I want to say thanks for spending some time with me today. I met Mark several years ago when he and I sat down for lunch, and from that moment, I realized uh, immediately that Mark had a special gift in communicating to young people, um, a special gift in communication that went beyond what he was known by for many years as a professional wrestler. Mark took those talents from the world stage as a professional wrestler to now on the stage inspiring many young people across the country. Mark's mindset, his attitude, and boldness are contagious, and his special giftedness when it comes to communicating to others and special ability to penetrate the hearts of others is something that I think you'll find very inspiring in our conversation today. So without further ado, uh, let's get into the conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Today we have Mark Merrill with us, and Mark and I met a few years back, and Mark has an interesting journey, and I'm very grateful and excited to kind of dive into our conversation today. So thank you, Mark, for your time. <laughs> Eric, it's great to see you again. Absolutely. I wrote down a few thoughts today, and uh, Mark and I were just talking a few minutes ago, and he asked if I had any questions prepared for him, and I told him right away that I felt like it would be best just to come and be guided by our conversation. So one of the first things I thought of was about dreaming as a kid. Because I remember when you and I talked early on, you mentioned the importance of writing something down on a post-it note. You're writing your dreams down. And you also said that when when you wrote your dreams down, you you attained them all. And so my question is, so that came to hockey, that came to football, that came to wrestling in your career, did you ever think that you would be in front of youth, inspiring youth? Was that ever part of your dream? You know what you know. No, you know, it's so funny you're going to ask that. Um, and, and, and just to make something clear, that not every one of my dreams and goals became a reality. Many of them did, okay? I wrote down my dreams and goals in a little book I had since I was 10 years old. Okay. And the, and the funny thing is, I'm so glad you, you asked that question. That's why I didn't want to, I didn't want to see any of the questions beforehand because I love hearing them because I, it brings such a excitement into, into your heart when you hear something that you go, oh my gosh, I got to talk, talk about this. But um, when I write my dreams and goals down, when I was 10 years old, I wrote my dreams and goals down. Remember, this is 1970 when I was 10 years old. No internet, no, no social. No, no. <laughs> I wrote my dreams and goals down to the year 2000. So remember, from 10 years old, I wrote them down for 30 years when I predicted for the future, okay? Yeah. And they were once every year, you know, when I thought I'd be doing that year, you know? And, you know, it's funny because... Um, it, it, my dreams and goals, I mean, I, I, was, I wrote down, I'm going to be a professional athlete. I'm one rookie of the year. Uh, I'm going to become a millionaire. I'm going to, uh, you know, little things you write down when you're Ken, we were poor, so you're, a lot of your dreams are materialistic, yeah, yeah. too. You know, Absolutely. I want a black Cadillac. I want a speedboat, you know. Those all became a reality, but there's things I wrote down. It's funny when I look back on this now, you know. Like, I wrote down that I was actually going to become a scientist and I was going to find the cure for cancer. Wow. Okay. Really? Yeah. And then um, as a little boy, I'm dreaming big. Now, see, I often tell people that at, at 
that you know, write your dreams and goals down is so important. And, and don't just, I, I want you to dream big. Mm-hmm. I want you you're, to aim high in life, you know? See, failure is not aiming high and missing. Failure is aiming too low and hitting. Mm-hmm. And too many people aim so low in life. And, and then they hit and the, 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 their dreams and goals are not really a reality unless you just, you know, I want to get a job. Okay, sure. well, most people get a job, you know? But maybe write down, like, I want to be the CEO of this company. Mm-hmm. I'm going to own that company. Don't write things down like, well, I hope to make the team. No, I'm going to lead the league in scoring. Mm-hmm. Don't write things down like, I hope to sing in the school play. No, I'm going to win a Grammy. See, like I said, failure, I want to say it again because I want you to hear this. Failure is not aiming high and missing. Yeah. Failure is aiming too low and hitting. And even when I was a little boy, I had big dreams, big dreams. And as an adult, I still dream. You know, um, you know, as, as adults, we become complacent in life. Mm-hmm. One day becomes the next. We settle for the status quo. And we say things like, those were the days. No! These are. These are yeah, the days. Are. That's right. These are the days we learn from past mistakes. We grow in knowledge and grace. If we want to start a, 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 start a company, if we want to uh, change careers, if we want to go after dreams and goals that may lie dormant in our lives for many years, write a book or something we've always wanted to do. We can do those. Those are not the days. These are the days. The journey. The journey, man. It doesn't stop. When you stop dreaming, you stop living. And I don't, I don't want to feel like that. See, I'm never going to retire. I will refire. <laughs> we had we were with friends this weekend. It was our annual Christmas party, and we were having a discussion. We all have kids that some of them at the same age. Like we've got a ten year old and an almost six year old, and the oldest, uh, the the family in our group that has the oldest, their daughter is seventeen, eighteen. So we're, our conversations are kind of fun at this point with what all our kids are going through, and. So college with some of them is is coming up, and that's kind of some of the stuff we talked about. I said, looking back, and some of them got it, some of them didn't. I said, looking back, I wish I would have just taken a year off, you know, after I got out of school. Because, again, it's you get into the system and into the grind. You think you have to go to school, and then whatever that, you have to get a job, and then you have to get married, and you have to get you know, raise kids, and that kind of stuff. And instead of, like, looking at, like, we are just talking about, what makes you passionate and what really drives you and and slowing down, and I'd love to do that with our kids. Like when our son graduates, just take six months and do a journey with him. Mm-hmm. Take him all yeah. over the place. Because you know what? You'll never do that again. Yeah, you know, life passes quickly. Yeah. And one thing I, I've, I've learned, I look at, um, you know, I'm, I'm 57 years old now. You know, I watch this journey, this amazing journey of my life, you know, the good times, the bad times, you know, and I think about all the different paths I've taken in life and different choices I've made where I look where good choices took me, but I'm very honest and open where my bad choices took me in my life. And I I hope to think that I'm in a better place where I'm making those good choices now. And, um, you know, and, but continue to go after those dreams and goals. And the greatest joy I have, though, is helping another person. You know, I often tell people, you want to be happy, help someone else become happy. You, you want to be successful, yeah. help someone else become mm-hmm. successful. Given why you're living, so you're knowing where it's going. <laughs> I've got, before we get deep, I've got <laughs> something that I really got to know. Okay, I grew up, it was your era of wrestling. That's when I grew up. Well, I, I was at, my days were Hulk Hogan. You know, sure. high school was The Rock and, you know, those guys yeah. were coming around. And I got to thinking, I said, what can I ask Mark about wrestling? And the one thing after kind of reading a lot on you was, 
one thing that stuck right away was signature moves. Right. Right. So I read about, you know, all those signature moves and the kiss that don't miss. <laughs> so, so my question are the moves, was that something the wrestler named or was that something that, well, you know, who, it, who came up with the names? You know, most of the wrestlers come up with their own names for different moves. Yeah. But um, I remember, like, um, when I first came to WCW, Dusty Rhodes was kind of guy that that, that uh, gave me my break. You know, he was the he was the um, the booker at WCW. He was the, one, the matchmaker. You know, and I remember him seeing me, and he said to me, he said, "Did anybody ever tell you you look like Little Richard?" And I said, "I, I, I thought he was about a wrestler." So I said, "Who's Little Richard?" He goes. You know, wop bop a loop bop wop bop boo. And I said, oh, the singer, I don't know, I've never heard that it was before. The first one yes. And so he goes, and see, he saw this gimmick. He goes, yeah. man, I got a gimmick for you. Next thing I know, you know, he's putting makeup on me and my hair all done. And, and, and I, I, I'm from Macon, Georgia, like where Little Richard was from, you know? Right, and, right. And so I, you were perfect. I'm talking, oh, hush, you know? And I have to hold this whole different persona, you know? So it was like playing this funny character, you know? And because I was a former boxer, you know, uh, New York State Golden Globe champion I'm, I'm on the U.S. boxing team, all, all these different things, um, Dusty Rhodes thought, well, let's make your finish. Remember, and, and, and remember, I just got into wrestling a year earlier, so I didn't know all, I didn't know all the moves and stuff. So let's make it simple. Let's make your finishing move the knockout punch with the left hook, you know. Right. And he goes, we'll call it the Tutti Frutti. <laughs> and that's how I came up with it. I'll kick your booty with my Tutti Frutti. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's great. So we had a lot of fun it was a that. collaboration back then. Too. It was. You know, <laughs> so I kind of meant like uh, the combination of Little Richard and Muhammad Ali. You know, I'm yeah. a bad man. So it was Johnny B. Bad, B A D D. That's great. I love it. Uh, okay, so communicating with kids and wrestling, and I was kind of putting these two things together um, from pro wrestling to inspiring kids all over. What changed you? Well, I, I often tell people that, you know, when, you, when you're in wrestling, you, you go out there and you're, you're entertaining people, you know. And then as an as a, um, inspirational speaker, you're still kind of going out there and entertaining people. But I often tell people that, you know, when I'm in front of students, at least nobody's saying you're over the head of the chair anymore. <laughs> so my longevity is great. <laughs> you know what? There's just such a passion about being on that stage. There's just such a joy. You know, when you walk out to, man, we've walked out to anywhere from a, from you know, 500 to 8,000 students at a time, you know, mm-hmm. from some of the biggest schools in the country to just some small little schools in, in the hills in North Carolina, you know. And every presentation, it has a dynamic that happens where kids can relate to a story, my mm-hmm. story, loss of a loved one, a broken heart, um, substance abuse, mm-hmm. making bad choices, hurting other people, um, not being there for your family, mm-hmm. Um, so many things that kids can relate to. A, a different part of my story, sure. a different kid could say, well, my parents also went through divorce. I know what that feels like, you know. I lost my grandfather or my mother or brother or something that tragic happened in their life. So there's a common bond that happens during my presentation. And many students feel like they could open up and talk to me about it. And I get many letters from students that unfortunately are going through substance abuse, um, self-harming, or even suicidal thoughts. Mm. And to hear a kid said, you changed my life, or you even saved my life, there's no greater joy than that. Are they telling you that person or messaging you? Both. I mean, whether I I meet a student or or a lot of of students don't see me after the presentation, 
um, because they have to go to the next class or yeah. whatever it is. And they, they let this, the, the, the auditorium out and everybody has to leave, you know. But um, so many kids write to me. And through that, those writings, I've, I've discovered um, how impactful this presentation has been. Mm-hmm. And not only that, like when you, my gosh, we get, I can't tell you how many times we get a standing ovation from a high school. I mean, when do kids ever get up at the end of a presentation and right. actually start, you know, clapping and, and woo-hooing up? I mean, I would just inspire them, you know? So I, I'm blessed. I'm not, it's, believe it, it's not braggadocious at all. I'm just so blessed. Well, I, I just no thank idea. God every Absolutely. day that I have the opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. And that's where I really found my joy, mm-hmm. found my passion, you know, and, and found my true calling in life. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't wrestling, it wasn't boxing, it wasn't, you know, working at UPS or something. It was this, what I'm doing right now. Adding value to these kids' lives. Yeah. Well, what you just said was, I want to kind of go a little bit deeper there because wrestling gave you this huge platform. And you do have to be a natural entertainer to be successful in professional wrestling. So how has, how do you kind of pay tribute to that now that you talk to these kids and like you just said, I'm thinking of like a 14 year old boy, 15 year old boy to, to connect can be tough. You know, when you're talking about the things you're talking about in school, so kind of how, I guess how did wrestling help that was like a natural kind of. Well, you know, I, I actually thought like being in front of, you know, thousands of people at night, you know, we used to do 250 cities a year and you're in front of anywhere from, you know, 5,000 to 20,000. I even wrestled for 80,000 at, at the Royal Rumble and at, yeah. at the Alamo Dome, you know what I mean? So That's a crazy when you, when you think about, you know, being out there and people go, well, you're always in front of people. So you get really comfortable, you know, but I tell you, it was a different dynamic going in speaking to middle school and high schools. You know, um, it's funny because I, I got friends that are inspirational speakers that speak at corporations or, or big churches all over the country, you know, yeah. and they make a joke. They say, Mark, there's one thing I wouldn't do. I would never get in front of middle or high school students. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm in front of every day. But but at, at the beginning, it was not easy. You know, I think as I developed um, being more comfortable on stage, mm-hmm. but also um, kind of just relating to and understanding what many students are going through in their in their lives sure you know um even though my stories may be similar to theirs mm-hmm. it's a different world today you know we never had the internet when we grew up mm-hmm. you know um it, it's it's really strange now like it's funny when you talk to students because like i'll give you an example um when we were kids you know you, you kind of knew who your neighbors were sure you know but you didn't know really anything really about them right they weren't exposed. Now, yes yeah. now these kids know that Oh my gosh! You got that, that that guy just cheated on his wife. Uh, this he's getting thrown out of his house. Sure. It's all over the internet. Mm-hmm. Everybody's posting. You know, just so much information out there, and these kids take on a lot of, lot of pressure. You know, by 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 being inundated with man sexual connotation at such a young age through mm-hmm. through social media. Um, you know, um, I'm watching kids that are so, you know, the violence doesn't doesn't affect them like it would when, when I was younger. Sure. Like if I saw someone, if I saw a video of someone getting shot or something and, and it was real, I'd be like, oh my gosh, it would affect you, mm-hmm. you know? But today, man, kids just are inundated with violence, um, sexual connotation, mm-hmm. things that, I mean, when I'm talking about kids, I'm talking about, you know, when you're in elementary school mm-hmm. and you have access to a smartphone, you have access to the world. Absolutely. And not only that, you're showing your friends, your friends are showing you, you know. Mm-hmm. So when I meet with parents and when I do a lot of the community nights, you know, and I have a parent will say to me, 
uh, you know, my son or my daughter were best friends and they would never do that. And all I've known is that I know how powerful peer pressure is. Mm-hmm. Peer pressure can be one of the strongest, most inundating things a kid can ever go through is peer pressure. They want to fit in. They want to be light. They don't want to be the odd person out. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a pastor on a phone showing pictures of something they shouldn't be looking at or seeing horrific scenes, and you say, oh, I can't do that. My mom or dad would be upset. You know, you become sure. you know, the cast out, you know, and then you become bullied or mocked or whatever, you know. So I understand the pressure that I think a lot of parents don't really understand how powerful peer pressure really is. Well, I think you framed it right. You were spot on because we haven't changed. We've been the same since the beginning. It's just the technology has exposed us. It's overwhelmed us. And we haven't changed though. And that's the thing. I think that's the thing that's important is there's so much good with technology, but there's just as much bad, if not more, unfortunately. It's it's really sad. You know, um I obviously I'm on all the different social media networks, you know, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter are, are the three that I'm on. Of course our website. And we use it for something very positive. You know, we're always writing positive things. I encourage kids and having their parents come to our, our page to see positive affirmations, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and writing about good things or helping kids that are going through suicidal thoughts and letting them know that they're not alone and how much they matter. Those are really positive things that are great to, that, to share and talk about, yeah. you know. But you look at some of the people that get the most likes are people that are doing terrible things. Mm-hmm. You know, look at our role models today, the, the shows many kids watch, you know. You watch a show like, um, I'm not trying to pick on any show. It's like the housewives of wherever. Mm. You see these adults acting like fools, you know, hitting each other, swearing, um, beating each other up, um, cheating on their spouses, having different affairs and, and glamorizing this lifestyle, you know. And so kids grow up, you know, not understand what love is, intimacy is, what what relationships really should be about, mm-hmm. you know, and and. And unfortunately, these are the kids that are posting these these terrible things on their YouTube channels that are getting the most likes, and most kids are going to it, and and um, it's really sad. Um, you know, we look at black and white; it's, everything's so blurred now. You know, sure. being politically correct, mm-hmm. you know, saying just the right words now. You know, um, it's tough. It, it is. This is something that I got to tell you really touched me. The documentary that you did uh, that went viral. The one on your mom. Yeah, yeah. I it touched me so much that I rented it on Vimeo, and we have a big screen at the house. And I got this was a couple of years ago. The kids were young. We laid around my wife and I and the kids. And oh, so you watched the whole presentation? Yeah, then. We, yeah, yeah. We yeah. and we put it on the video, and you know the kids were they got pieces. I want to show it to them again, but man, it really there's so many like things that really sink in to me on that. And I just feel like more people need to take the time even to watch the, I think you've got a shorter one, the kind of the, yeah. the 10 to 15 minute one. You know, but anyway, that, that story is so powerful. And I think it's what, you know, for you to look back, you know, like when you're going through the valley, yeah. you don't know why you're kind of, you know, going through the valley, you're kind of on your hands and knees, you're crawling through and then you get to the other side. I think your mom was just such a big part of that. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. You know, when I look back and, you know, 
my presentation is a presentation that you have you, you can't just get up there on the stage and go yeah I'm fortunate I lost my mother my father my brother my sister you know over 30 friends in the wrestling industry and you, you have to relive moments mm-hmm. and, and part of that what makes that story so powerful is I actually every every time that I'm on stage or talk about this situation I relive the moment I had to walk up to her casket mm-hmm. and it's so powerful because we all have those moments when you either lost someone or have had your heart broken or something tragic happens in your life and you remember that feeling that emotion that comes over you you know and I think the blessing I, I get out of sharing that story is knowing that it's going to help another person I cannot tell you how many letters I get from parents yeah. that say you know their son or daughter came home from school and told them they loved it you know what I mean yeah. I got one the other day or I'll share it real quick um, a, a mom wrote to me and she said my daughter came home from school today and she said I want to start having dinner with you and dad and, and she's being nice to her her little brother what the heck did you say wow. <laughs> you know and those are the, yeah, the joy yeah, I, awesome. I get out of um, doing this but um incredible mother that all she ever wanted to do was take the time and just talk to me mm-hmm. she just wanted to sit down like you and I and just talk to her son mm-hmm. and I never had time for her I just thought she was always a you know gosh I don't talk about this or I don't be bothered by her yeah. yeah you know she's not you know she's not cool you know I don't want to deal with what you know I care less how many scarves she knit today or did something whatever you know or what she did at work I don't really care that's when I get on my life man you know and then I look back on my life and I I think as um you know a dad as a friend how hurtful that is mm-hmm. that when if I ever said this so name I could talk to you for a minute they go man I don't got time for that it, it would like hurt my heart yeah. you know so I yeah. think about how many times I, I did that to my mother mm-hmm. and she never like held a grudge. She never like was mean to me because I was mean to her. Mm-hmm. You know, the next morning she'd be having getting me breakfast or you know getting my clothes together or, mm-hmm. or something, and I would just never. She never heard those words, "thank you" or how much I appreciate her and all that. You know, but but the blessing I have though is I absolutely know she knows now. Mm-hmm. I became the man she always knew I would be. Mm-hmm. She prayed over me. She believed in me. Mm-hmm. She introduced me to Jesus. Mm-hmm. She All the things that my mom did, she, I became that man. And I know that, you know, my presentation's been out there for many years now, and there's people that have seen it that have died and gone on to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I know they saw my mother, they go, oh my gosh, your son is doing some good stuff. So she's up there floating around happy as can be. I, I really believe that, you know, but I still have to go back in those places in my life that are very dark. Yeah, so what do you tell people now about forgiveness, reconciliation, uh, just moving on? Man, forgiveness is the key to, to, to really moving on in life, you know? You, you know, you either forgive or you relive. And so many people cannot forgive people. And the sad part is, is many of these people are my own brothers and sisters in Christ. And, mm-hmm. and they got to understand that God forgave us. Mm-hmm. We have to forgive other people. But the thing that's even more important than we have to is that you lock, when you don't forgive, you lock yourself in an emotional prison. Most of the people that are wrong us. Yeah, mo- most people that are wrong us in life, they've moved on and don't even remember or think about us anymore, you know? But we hold on that grudge and we get so angry and so mad and, oh, the person did this to me and we keep reliving it and reliving it, you know? But when you, when you forgive, you, you not only 
release that person, but you actually release yourself. So, yeah. And so people ask me, they go, well, Mark, how do you know when you've forgiven someone? And that's very easy, man, for me. Yeah. You're not only, when you know you've forgiven someone, I always tell people that when somebody mentions their name and you don't become angry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing to remember. You go, yeah. That's a good thing to remember. You know, but, um, but, you know, and, and just the last thing I want to say about forgiveness, um, you know, it's sometimes hard to forgive other people, but, but one of the hardest people to forgive often is ourselves. Mm. And we have to really forgive ourselves to move on in life. Sometimes we beat ourselves up over a past mistake, mm. uh, hurting someone, uh, going, you know, creating a divorce or cheating on our wife or we end up getting divorced or something that we can't forgive ourselves, but we have to. You have to move on and realize that you made it. That, 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 that mistake becomes learning experience or, or otherwise it just becomes another mistake and mm-hmm. another mistake. You have to learn from those things and not do it again or not or change the way you, you go about life. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing that you most often remind the kids? And I'm thinking like maybe when you're one-on-one with them, what's the one message that kind of resonates with you when you're communicating with the kids most often? Well, that's a great question. There, there's a few, but one that really stands out is that I often tell people that, and I actually got this from you know, the, the greatest wisdom is the Bible. You know, the, there's 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We become who we surround ourselves with. Right? Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and so I often tell kids, you know, like, why well, didn't use the analogy? Your friends are like elevators. They're either going to bring you up or they're going to take you yeah. down. Yeah. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Mm-hmm. We become who we surround ourselves with. And it's so important for young people to realize this. If your friend is going to be going to parties and, and, and partying up and drinking and doing drugs, it's just a matter of time often before you start doing the same thing. Or the way they treat people. Or the way they bully people. That way. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or the way they bully or hurt other people. All of a sudden you find yourself laughing along with them about them picking on a, a kid that you have no idea what that student is going through. Mm-hmm. You don't know if their heart's been broken, if they're on medication, or their parents are going through divorce or been a death in their family. You have no idea. And that laughter can often lead to someone wanting to hurt themselves. So we become who we surround ourselves with. Mm. You know, real quick on that. On So it, you're in front of thousands and thousands of kids throughout the year. Bullying is a big thing. Suicidal, kids that are suicidal. I mean, what do you see? Do you see it? Where is it shifting? Is it getting worse? Is it getting you know Eric, one of the hardest things I deal with is, you know, it seems like when I go to schools now, I often meet with a counselor or principal before school starts, and they'll say, Mark, unfortunately, we've had two suicides and a drug overdose this year. I mean, when you see this at every school, you see more and more kids that are are, are killing themselves. Mm-hmm. This epidemic of suicide that is, is going through. And, I, and so I really want to share my own story about my own um, my own depression I went through and being in a very dark place where I didn't want to be here no more. And and I share kids very honestly that, you know, you have to open up and talk to someone about it. Mm-hmm. See, when you hold it inside, it's like a volcano. Mm-hmm. And sooner or later, the volcano erupts. Yeah. And mostly a negative behavior. It could lead to alcohol, drugs. could be hurting other people. But it could also lead to self-harm. And worst case, those thoughts of not wanting to be here. Mm-hmm. So communication is the most important thing, especially kids that are are going through suicide. I often tell kids it's that it's gotta be hard, though, right? It, it's it's very hard. Yeah. But 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 I gotta tell you, when I show st- um, stories about myself, that 
you know, if I would have ended my life when I was going through some of the darkest, darkest places that many students are going through, and they, they may even be darker than some of the things I went through, but I lost my family, my friends, my divorce, and so many harmful, hurtful things in my life, that if I would have ended my life then, I would have never known all the beautiful things that were coming. Mm-hmm. New friends, new family, new marriage, a purpose. Being in front of thousands and, and now over a million kids now in my life mm-hmm. that have, I, 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 God had a plan and purpose for my life. Mm-hmm. But I would have never realized none of those beautiful things if I would have ended my life back then. Mm, that's huge. You've talked about things about purpose and being successful and uh, positivity and surrounding yourselves with the kids. What's speaking it in your life? You know, oftentimes taking action, you know, can seem overwhelming. So what, and I found that those daily practices, whether it's morning for you, Mark, or, or evening, what are those daily practices or routines that kind of set you up for success every day? You know, what are, what do you do intentionally each day? And that can be, you know, mindful, spiritual, physical, but what are your kind of things that you do from a standpoint to set yourself up to achieve greatness each day? Repetition. You know, getting used to a, a, a certain way you live your life. You know, this isn't just, you know, you, you have to, it has to become a lifestyle, not just something you said to go, oh, I want to do that. You know, it's like, it, my passion is my lifestyle, my, my joy of helping other people. Um, you know, there's, there's two types of people. There are people that say something needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And then there's a person that says, I want to go out there and do something yeah, about yeah. it. I was guilty for many years of my life. I would say, why don't they do this about that? Why don't they change this? You know? And then I said, you know what? I have a voice. Yeah. I want to go out there and do something. And, and that's why I really found that that passion is, is taking action towards goals and dreams and, 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 and following your passion, you know? And that's why I tell people, man, when you, you follow your passion, you, you, you never have to work because you love what you do. Mm-hmm. And every day I find joy in what I do. I, I, that's why I stay so busy, you know? Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know another presenter that did 293 events in a year. Yeah. You know, it's, it's absolutely incredible. When I even think about it, I go, how did I ever do that? You know, but when I'm doing it, I'm doing, you know, 20, 30, 40 a month. You know, I'm not, I'm not even thinking about, you know, oh my gosh, I got three presentations. I got five today. I got, you know, yeah, yeah. got to fly to here, go across country. You know, I, I never think about that because I just, I'm thinking about the end result of mm-hmm. making a difference. And that's what propels my, my passion. Well, great. Well, I really enjoy sitting down with you today and catching up and, I know everybody that hears this is going to be impacted in a positive way. But lastly, before we wrap it up, how can how and where can people stop by and say hi to Mark and follow what you're doing online, social? Where, where's the best place to catch up with what's going well, on? Well, uh, for those um, older folks like me, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you guys go to my, my Facebook page. My name is Mark, M-A-R-C, Mero, M-E-R-O, and you'll see we have a, a like page out there. And then also um, Mark Mero's on Twitter and Instagram. So for, for the younger folks out there, <laughs> that you always reach me there. But whether you're young or old, never stop dreaming. Never stop dreaming. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate the time. God bless you, Eric. Hey, it's Eric again. I really hope you enjoyed today's show and that it brought some positive viewpoints and expanded your thoughts on forgiveness. It's so important to be mindful of how we invest in those close relationships around us 
and more importantly, how we value our own self-worth and meaning in life. I'll include some additional info on Mark, including his website and social links in the podcast show notes. From there, you can stay in touch with Mark and follow him as he travels the country to inspire many young people. Thank you again for tuning in today. In each episode, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you reach your greatest goals. And again, I'd be super grateful if you would subscribe to and share the Activate podcast on iTunes. And you can also check out EnglishEric.com.